All right, everybody, welcome to SCUM. Uh, tonight we have a guest preacher with us. His name's Chip Anderson. He's uh, from Denver. He's been around. Uh, he's uh, started a thing, I don't know, what do you call it, website, ministry, called Preaching Supply, where he kind of helps out um, places that just need a preacher to fill in. So he's going to fill in for us tonight. He also says that he works at the world's largest fruit stand that only sells apples. So I'll let him kind of give you any more information that he wants to tell you about. But if you'd welcome up Chip. Thanks, Dave. Uh, I got to tell you guys, uh, it's, a, it's a joy and an honor to be here. Um, ten years ago, before we moved to Colorado, I had heard of the legend of Scum of the Earth Church, uh, and that's all the way out in Portland, Oregon. And then when we uh, moved here to Colorado, I joined the staff of a church here in town and come to find out that we contributed to you guys being able to purchase this building, and I was super excited that we'd given you guys a bunch of money to, to buy the building. So I was uh, joyed, overjoyed about that, and then... Uh, Mike Sayers was the first pastor in town to invite me out to lunch. And so Mike and I have known each other for the past 10 years. We just got coffee a couple, couple of weeks ago, uh, back towards the spring. And I always tell people a conversation with Mike Sayers is like sitting down and talking to a big, wise Greek teddy bear. Um, I always walk away feeling like I've been challenged, I've been encouraged, I've been listened to. And um, so I, I'm, I'm just super appreciative of being able to be here at SCUM. I know you guys are, you guys are what you call uh, a kingdom outpost uh, in this section of town, and I think it's fantastic. And I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, tonight I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about um, parents. Uh, about 15 years ago, I led a group of kids on a mission trip down to La Mission, Mexico, which is somewhere between... San Diego and Ensenada, right on the coast. And as we were down there, we partnered with a local church down there to do um, some construction on the church. And uh, we ended up doing a vacation Bible school for the kids in a small town. And uh, we brought a dentist with us so that people could get some dental care, which they wouldn't normally have access to. But one of the things that we did is we, we took an opportunity to go a little bit outside of the town and go to the Door of Faith Orphanage. And there, as you can imagine, Taking a bunch of high school kids and junior high kids to an orphanage, uh, they got to instantly bond with the kids that, were, that stayed in the orphanage, all the little boys and girls. And so games started happening. They started goofing around and playing. And one of the kids, uh, we'll call him Dave because that's his name, he, um, he started a, a pickup basketball game. Now, Dave loved basketball. He wasn't just good at basketball. He loved basketball. He played for his high school varsity team. And so he was actually pretty good. And as he's hanging out with these little kids in this pickup basketball game, he makes this like fadeaway jumper, gets it right in the basket, and he just gets super excited. And he starts running around the court celebrating like only a person who loves basketball really could. Uh, about the same time we took this trip, though, there was a movie that came out. It was called Remember the Titans. Anybody remember Remember the Titans, that movie? And as Dave's running around the court celebrating, he's yelling this kind of, taunt that shows up in the movie. Anybody remember what the taunt was? Denzel Washington says it to one of the kids before they get on the bus. Are we having dinner? Later tonight, yes. Anybody remember what that taunt was? Well, Dave was running around screaming, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Woo! Who's your daddy? Well, 
I'm supposed to be the responsible adult on the trip. So I go, hey, Dave, why don't you, why don't you come over here a little bit? I said, Dave, I need you to remember where you are. You're in an orphanage. These kids don't have daddies. These kids don't have mommies either. And instantaneously, Dave being a compassionate kid was all of a sudden like, oh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I said that. So he felt a little bit embarrassed and a little bit guilty. Um, the only saving grace of that story was that, that Dave said it in English. Um, if he would have said it in Spanish, ¿Quién es tu papá? ¿Quién es tu papá? That might have done a little bit more emotional damage to the kid he yelled it at. Uh, but conversations about, uh, these are just a, a funny story about some kids playing some basketball. But the moment we start talking about parents, things maybe aren't so funny anymore, right? When you think about your parents, maybe that brings up some emotions for you. Maybe some positive ones, maybe some negative ones. Maybe love, maybe hate, maybe respect, maybe regret. Maybe anger and frustration. Uh, maybe appreciation. Talking about parents is a little bit of a weird thing. And I feel that tension because um, I have, have had my, my parental uh, situation is a little bit complicated and convoluted, but just to say I have parents, um, I am a parent, and I often wonder, are my kids thinking the same things about me that I thought about them, about my parents when I was their age? And so parents is kind of a, a little bit of a, a touchy topic to talk about, uh, but just for a couple minutes, just settle in on the idea that we're going to talk about parents for a few minutes. Um, I want you to think about how your parents influenced you. Now, right out of the gate, I want you to, to know that that kind of a question, how did parents influence you, can take an interesting turn for some of us. Because maybe your parents didn't live up to the responsibility of actually being a parent, right? But I would argue that their absence, their giving up on their responsibility to parent you, is actually a profound way that they influenced you. Sometimes parents influence us for good, right? They teach us to work hard, be honest, to treat and respect people regardless of the color of their skin, their status, or their education. Uh, maybe they, they taught us what unconditional love really is because they loved us unconditionally. Um, maybe your parents uh, inspired you to, uh, to be who you are because they believed in you, they were proud of you. I, I'm a big fan of education, um, and I push our, 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 my boys to do well in school because I had a dad who went back to college in his 50s to finish up. And he went through school, and he finished, and he, he held together his marriage. He worked 50 to 60 hours a week. Um, he raised two rambunctious boys, my brother and I, and yet he still had a 4.0 GPA. And, and so I never had an excuse for not trying my best at school. But then there are times when parents influence us in ways that aren't so good, right? Maybe you learned from your parents or they influenced you that winning is all that mattered. Or maybe that, that you can buy happiness if you work hard enough. Maybe you have problems with intimacy and relationship and you can directly tie that back to the lack of love and appreciation that you got from your parents. Um, Maybe you learn from your parents to spend more than you have, drink more than you should, or to appreciate who you are less than you ought. Parents have a big influence in our lives. Uh, they have a greater impact than maybe we want to admit. 
maybe even that they understand. Um, Whether we like it or not, they can inspire us to be like them, or they can give us reasons to despise them. They They can give us beliefs and values and traditions that become part of the fabric of who we are. They can also shape our worlds, the way that we view the world, the way that we view other people, the way we view ourselves. They have a considerable amount of influence in our identities and who we see ourselves to be, not just emotionally and mentally, but physically as well. Because we all look like our parents, right? Talking about parents and their influence leads us into what I wanted to share with you guys tonight. We're going to hang out in Galatians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up Galatians chapter 4. If you've got an app on your phone, you can go ahead and open up that too. But we're going to, we're going to read about how Paul talks to these new Christians in these churches in this area of Galatia. And he reminds them not of who their physical parents are, but who their spiritual parents are. And he talks to them about the freedom in Christ that we have by talking about not who's their daddy, But by asking them the question, who's your mama? Really, he tells them who their mother is. So I'm going to go ahead and read this passage of scripture. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be up there on the screen if you can see it from here. So Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it was written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, another by a free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of divine promise. These things are to be taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is from above, she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren women, you who have never borne children. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son by the power of the Spirit. It's the same now. But what, about, what does the scripture say? Get rid, of the woman, get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we're not children of the slave woman, but children of the free woman. If you want a quick outline for the book of Galatians, it breaks into kind of three groups. Chapters 1 and 2 are about history. Paul tells his own story in those chapters. Verses, uh, chapters 3 and 4 are more about theology. Paul's trying to correct some false teaching that's found its way in and is influencing these Christians in the churches in Galatia. And then chapters 5 and 6 are ethics, if you will. It's how to practically live out the gospel of grace that Paul is giving to these churches. And tonight, we find ourselves in this second section where Paul begins to hammer on this idea that the grace that we find in Jesus leads us to freedom and not to some form of slavery. He does this by asking a question, the one in verse 21. 
It says there, tell me you who want to be under the law, you who want to go back to kind of the old Jewish ways of doing things, you who want to be under the law, do you really understand what it's asking of you? Do you really know what it says? Are you sure that you comprehend what's going to happen if you do that? Do you actually understand what the law requires of you? Well, here Paul digs into the Chronicles of History and pulls out an Old Testament story about Abraham. Now, you might be thinking, oh, wait a second, what is Abraham? What is an Old Testament story? What is this idea of a, a bygone era of Jewish history have to do with Jesus? Well, I'm of the opinion that we're never really going to understand the New Testament unless we understand the Old Testament first. Unless we understand the story and the people and the way that God moved and the way that God acted in the Old Testament, the New Testament is not going to make much sense to us. So we've got to spend some time familiarizing ourselves with the Old Testament stories. And that's exactly what Paul does here. To shed light on the work of Jesus and the grace of God, Paul refers to this story about Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith. And he does this because the critics that are influencing the Christians in the area of Galatia, in the churches there, are telling these Galatian churches that truly to be the sons and the daughters of Abraham, you've got to follow the law. You've got to go back to the old ways of doing things. And Paul here flips it on its head. Paul says this, in a way that is loving and kind. He says, in, in doing this, Paul remem- reminds them of, a, of, ver- of verse 22 of the story of Abraham. And so he says that, hey, Abraham had two sons, right? He had one, Ishmael, and he had one, Isaac. Ishmael was the son of a woman named Hagar. So uh, God had promised Abraham, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, hey, you're going to have a kid, right? You're going to have a son. They didn't have any children at that time. And God said, you're going to have a son. And Abraham and Sarah thought God was being real slow and delivering on his promise of a child. And so Sarah got this bright idea. Hey, why don't you sleep with my slave, Hagar, and have a child with her? And then, great, you know, you'll have a son. And oddly enough, that was totally acceptable and normal at the time. Well, it worked. Ishmael was born. Um, So Abraham and Hagar had this son, Ishmael. But Isaac, Isaac was totally different. As God promised Sarah, hey, you're going to have a son. Sarah was like in her 90s, well beyond childbearing years, and she had no children. And so she began to laugh at God. Really? Me in my old age? I'm going to have a baby? You got to be kidding me, right? All this time has passed. We've never had any children. I'm barren. I'm not going to have any kids. Well, when the time came, she ended up pregnant. She gave birth to a son. She named him Isaac. Anybody know what Isaac means? Laughter. Right. She laughed at God and then named her kid Laughter. It's fantastic. You can read about these different stories in Genesis 16 through 21 if you want to go back and take a look at those. But Paul here brings this verse. He brings up this, the, uh, this idea of these two sons, two women, these two covenants or contracts, if you will, And he's talking about here, they're figurative, right? Metaphorical. Figuratively, Hagar represents Mount Sinai, where where Moses got the law, where Moses got all the do's and the don'ts that the children of Israel needed in order to survive and be a people. 
And he, he, he presents this idea, he says, but Hagar's children are slaves. So if mom is a slave, then the kids are slaves too. And we get this with our country's own hideous history of slavery, right? If your parents were slaves, then you're going to be a slave. But Paul also compares Hagar to symbolize the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of the religious strictness and ritual and faith practices of the Jews. It was the embodiment of keeping all the laws that you needed to keep. And in two verses here up on the screen, verses 24 and 25, Paul says two times there that Hagar bears children of slavery. And if Hagar is your mother, then you're in captivity and you're imprisoned to the demands of the law, Paul says. Then without even mentioning her name, Paul switches to talk about the second mom, the second mother, who was Abraham's wife, Sarah, right? And again, we talked about that. She gave birth to Isaac. Sarah was not a slave. She was free. So her children would be free as well. And Sarah is the spiritual parent of those who have given up and cast all aside in favor of God's grace and God's mercy. She is the one who we can appreciate God's grace and God's mercy through. Paul uses these two women, these two mothers, these two sons, to answer the question that he asked back in verse 21. You who want to be under the law, do you really know what it requires? Because the law says the children of Hagar are slaves. The law says that you have to obey. It demands and you have to react. Uh, the law imprisons, the law requires, and you, it requires your complete compliance. Because if you go afoul of the law, if you break the law, there's no forgiveness, there's no pardon, there's no reprieve. There is guilt and you pay the punishment of judgment. But Paul says, those who place their faith in Jesus, in his life and his death and his resurrection, those who trust in God's love and God's mercy and grace are children of Sarah like Isaac. And you are free. You are children of promise. You are not slaves. You are children of grace. Children of divine intervention, not human reproduction. Children of God who will receive the inheritance of God as sons and as daughters. Because Christ came to offer freedom. Freedom from death and from hell. Freedom from sin. Freedom from trying to earn my own salvation. Freedom from performance anxiety or from sin management. The children of promise, the children of God, the children of the creator of the universe. That's who Paul says we are. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus. And if this is true, why would you want to go back to slavery? If this is true, why would you want to be shackled again? If this is true, why would you want to go back into captivity a couple of verses later in, in Galatians 5.1, Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. He says, throw that junk off. That's not who we are. 
Because of Jesus, we are a free people. So let me ask you, who's your mama? Who influences you? The mother of slavery or the mother of freedom? Who inspires you? Are you a child born by natural processes or by divine promise? If you're someone who calls themselves a Christian, if you are someone who calls yourself a Christ follower, you believe that, that in Jesus Christ, that he's God's son, that he's our Lord, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born by the Virgin, who was crucified, died, and buried, yet on the third day rose again, then you are a child of promise. And then you are free in God's grace and God's mercy. If you're someone here who's not yet a Christian, you're not a Christ follower, then you're a slave to sin. And that's not me passing judgment on you. That's not me condemning you. In one of the stories about Jesus in the Bible, John quotes Jesus as saying, if you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Those are the words of Jesus. But if you are not a Christ follower, you're, you're not a Christian, uh, change is possible. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus, right? Earlier, I told you that uh, my parental situation is a little complicated and convoluted. Uh, you see, I was born by one woman and raised by another. The way that my biological mom influenced me is that she gave me up for adoption. But my real mom, the only mom I know, the only mom that, that chose me, that loved me and accepted me, that's my real mom. You see, uh, she was there when I took my first steps. She was around when I broke my first bone. Uh, she was there when I drove off in my first car. She was there the moment I became a parent for the first time. My real mom taught me the, the difference between right and wrong and then disciplined me appropriately when I got those things confused. She's my real mom because she told me not just who I was, but who I could be. She was the mother that introduced me to Jesus. Just because you might look back over your life and you might see that you are a child of slavery, that you're not a child of freedom, you don't understand God's grace and God's mercy, it doesn't mean you have to stay that way. You see, you might not be able to change who your physical parents are. I'm sorry, you're stuck with them, whoever they might be but you can always change who your spiritual parents are. You can move from being a child of slavery to being a child of promise. Uh, one where God's divine intervention in your life changes everything about who you are. That's totally possible. See, the good news is that God himself has come to rescue and restore all of creation on our behalf through the work of Jesus. 
to offer us freedom, not to control what we do and what we don't do, not to be some cosmic policeman that wants to squash us every time we screw up, not to control our lives, but to truly set us free to be who we are created to be. When we place our faith in Jesus, we are adopted sons and daughters of God. Paul wrote another letter to a church in Rome, and he says this, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you are in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption as sons and daughters that we might cry out, Abba, Father. And we might cry out and call God, Daddy. Paul writes this letter to the Galatians to remind them of who they are not to go back and to slip into the old ways of doing things, not to give up on the grace and the freedom that God gives us in Christ. And he writes this letter to chase off those who would tell you anything different. He writes this letter to the Galatians to remind them they're children of promise. They are no longer slaves, uh, that their spiritual heritage is grounded in Jesus as the one who gives us freedom from sin, from death, from hell. And today, it's absolutely no different. If you find yourself here today wanting to know more about what it is to be free, what is this grace of God that I'm talking about, how Jesus paves the way to receive God's mercy, I'd love to talk to you later after we get some dinner. Uh, Talk to Dave. uh, Talk to anybody here Uh, That's regular at scum. Because like I said, you can't change your physical parents, but you can change your spiritual parents. And experience what it is to truly be loved, cared for, and be free. Let's go ahead and pray, and then Larry's going to come up and lead us in communion. Our gracious God, we thank you so much for these stories that you tell, that you've bound together in this book that we call the Bible. They're not just stories. They're the way that you communicate with us. The way that you remind us or encourage us. And Father, when we read about the freedom that we have in Christ, it would be silly to go back to the old ways where we try to earn things. We try to participate in rituals and rites that only lead to dead ends. Why would we ever want to go back to being slaves? But Father God, we thank you so much for your forgiveness. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you call us your sons and daughters. Not slaves, not just friends or acquaintances, but sons and daughters. And as an adopted kid, that means everything to me. Father, we're just thankful for that. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for Jesus. Amen.